listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. So glad you're with us. Big show today. Uh, We're going to talk with uh, Dr. Robert Malone about the toxic effects of the uh, train derailment in East Palestine and what needs to be done there. It's also Ash Wednesday. We're going to talk to somebody about the significance of that. But we start with breaking news out of Washington. It's Kevin McCullough. It's on air right now. Something interesting is happening with this. Kevin McCullough, I'm start with you. I found this thing night, uh, kind of doubling down on uh, what he said in the Ukraine the day before. Uh, It appears as though um, he is going to write a blank check to the Ukraine. And I'm curious as to how you feel about that. Uh, Obviously, my email address, kmcradio at gmail.com. Let's go to Washington, where Sarah Westwood, who writes for The Examiner, rejoins us. Uh, Sarah, longtime uh, correspondent at CNN as well. And uh, has a has a very deep and storied history with the uh, lawmakers in uh, Washington D.C. She watches this stuff as well as anybody. Sarah, what is before we get to Feinstein and some of the other stuff? What is the general feeling on Capitol Hill about where we're headed with Ukraine and what this last couple of days kind of represented? I think there's definitely a growing skepticism among Republican lawmakers about the strategy here. I mean, I think you heard concerns from even moderate Republicans about the fact that Biden has not laid out any end point. There's no off-ramp, it appears, uh, for the U.S. involvement in the Russia-Ukraine war. That's starting to be concerning for some Republicans. Even those who want to continue the aid, I think, want to see some more strategy laid out by the Biden administration and more oversight of where that money is going. Well, he announces $500 million in cash on Tuesday or on uh, Monday, and then on Tuesday he gives the speech in Poland where he's trying to talk to the Russian people in kind of an odd way uh, because you know that Russian television is not letting any of that be seen. Um, but there's this kind of sense that he's doubling down going whatever it takes, how long, blank check, whatever, we're, we're going to do it. That should be concerning to Americans, no? Absolutely. I mean – you know, the 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 ability of the Biden administration to articulate what the U.S. interests are in the Ukraine-Russia conflict is pretty limited. And, you know, there was a sort of burst of public support for sending aid to Ukraine at the outset of the conflict about a year ago. It was a yep. tragic, you know, human the human toll was really tragic for a lot of yeah. Americans, I think, to see play out. But now that support is waning. No, I, and I and I sense that from the uh, voters, even here in the states, when you talk to them and, and they they say five hundred million more for Ukraine, but not a, a dime for Palestine, Ohio. That's that's the comparison they're making, isn't it, Sarah? Right. Well, the the, the President Biden has had the time to go to Ukraine to speak at length about a conflict that is not really tangible to most Americans. It doesn't affect their lives. 
when you are seeing something really sad and really concerning play out in the heartland of America. And the Biden administration has taken weeks to really take that seriously. And I think that draws a, a pretty clear contrast for voters about what the priorities of the Biden administration are. I think you're right on that. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for uh, weighing in on that kind of breaking news today. Uh, Diane Feinstein, 89 years of age. She's not coming back. What does it mean? Well, you know, she has been sort of a legend in the Senate. She has been there, you know, longer than some people have been alive. <laughs> She's been a U.S. <laughs> senator. And the problem for Democrats is that because she's had such a lengthy tenure, her style of democratic politics had really drifted from where the democratic party in california is today it's much more progressive it's much further left than she has proven herself to be and she's not really been willing to abandon that sort of moderate streak that was much more mainstream in the democratic party when she was coming up in the senate so beyond the questions about her age and her mental ability there was also these questions among California Democrats about whether she really adequately represented the state anymore. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you said, I think that a much more liberal senator is going to replace her. Who are some of the candidates that have already thrown their hat in the ring? One of the most recognizable probably is Congressman Adam Schiff, who, you know, rose to prominence during the Russia collusion investigation in Congress. He already has the support of uh, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, which is really important, sort of shows him as the establishment favorite heading into that race. Katie Porter, a congresswoman from Southern California, is also a contender. She was the first to jump into the race, a move that drew a little bit of criticism for the timing of that coming before Diane Feinstein announced her formal intention. Was Katie Porter the congresswoman that was, um, uh, I don't know, shamed out of office because of the scandal with her assistant and, and her husband? Am I thinking, is that the is that the same one? It's not. It's another congresswoman whose name escapes me right now from the same area maybe katie hill was her name um okay but katie porter is she's she's a newer member though and she was sort of she came into congress that same cycle no to to the extent that katie porter is infamous it's because of a dust-up uh in recent months over a staffer who claimed that congresswoman porter fired him because he got covid um (laughs) <laughs> and didn't allow that staffer to come back and pick up his belongings. But at any rate, you know, her treatment of staff is sort of a, a minor uh, bullet point in this race. She has jumped in and obviously is going to try to run to the left of everyone else. And then you have Congresswoman Barbara Lee, another California okay. yeah. member of the House, who will be seeking the nomination as well. And there are likely to be additional challengers. It's early days. Sure. Sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Okay, real quickly, uh, what's going on with House Republicans and FBI whistleblowers? Because I certainly think the voters thought that they were going to get to the bottom of some things. Does it appear as though they are? Well, a lot of the activity with FBI whistleblowers is going on behind closed doors, right? Because some of these whistleblowers are still employed by the Bureau and they're afraid of retaliation. But this is what the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government is doing to get around the Biden administration stonewalling. They're talking to whistleblowers who are disclosing information in secret. What they'll do with that information will be interesting to watch. But, you know, they're not going to get 
cooperation from Justice Department headquarters. So this is sort of a clever way for them to pursue these lines of inquiry and, you know, still try to get to the bottom of things that are concerning to some Americans. If they find uh, evidence that would, you know, be supported in in the open, uh, do you expect referrals to the to the uh, to the Judiciary Committee, or would it be directly to the Department of Justice? Where where do they go if they find out things that have been done that are wrong? Well, it would be directly to uh, the Department of Justice. The the subcommittee is structured kind of weird. It's a select committee, but it's also part of the Judiciary Committee. And those referrals go straight to the Justice Department. But if we're talking about corruption at the Justice Department, it's, you know, a lot to expect that the Justice Department would then take that referral and prosecute its own. Yeah, no, it's it's that's why I was wondering if there's another option like an independent counsel or something. I mean, but it, you would have to have uh, evidence to the degree that, you know, if it was made public would be pretty damning, I'm imagining. Exactly. To get to the point where Attorney General Merrick Garland would appoint a special counsel to investigate wrongdoing at the FBI or within Maine Justice, you know, you you would have to uncover something serious. And that's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see where all of that uh, heads to. Sarah, always doing a good job of keeping your eye peeled on everything that's going on uh, on Capitol Hill and in the nation's capital. Thank you for helping us today. Thanks for having me. You got it. Uh, reader in the Washington Examiner, Sarah Westwood, one of the, one of the good ones, uh, doing the job the right way. We've got a lot yet to get to. It is Ash Wednesday today, and uh, Sean Carney is going to join me to talk about the popularity of this day, what it means when we come back.